0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. A very special episode, this one. It's going to be about one topic. It's going to be about the big issue this week, the big conflict that everyone is talking about right now. It is the upcoming fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. That's all that people are talking about right now. That's... That's the only conflict that's in the news right now. There's also Israel and Hamas, but uh, you know what? Maybe let's talk about Israel and Hamas. There might be a bit more going on in that conflict at this point in time. Let's talk about Israel and Hamas. I know it's a very, very uh, touchy topic. I know it's very sensitive. I know it's very divisive. I know that no matter what you say about it, no matter what opinion you express about it, you're going to upset about 50% of the population quite deeply and risk harming your career. So, given I have just gotten off a plane uh, for 24 hours, I just flew back to Melbourne from London, given that I'm severely jet-lagged, I'm very tired, I'm going to weigh into this topic now so that I'm at maximum risk of saying the wrong thing. So, Strap yourselves in. Let's get into it. Let's talk about what's been happening. I'll give you my thoughts on this conflict. The way people have reacted to it. It's definitely, um, it's definitely a scary time. It was particularly scary uh, getting on a plane yesterday because we uh, got on, the, we boarded in London, and the flight c- comes over the top and says, uh, you know, the pilot tells you the route you're going to take. You know, he says, oh, we'll be getting taking off in a southeasterly direction and we'll be banking to the east and we'll be taking this route. He goes, yeah, so we'll be um flying through uh, Europe uh, over Zurich and then through the Middle East and then after the Middle East on to the Indian Ocean. And we're all like, wait, what? Did you just say we're flying over the Middle East? Uh, and you just felt like everyone on the plane looking at each other being like, can we take a different route? Is... Is that possible? Like, could we... Why don't we go the other direction? Maybe instead of going east, we'll go west. We'll go the long way around for this one, I reckon. Let's uh, go the long way around. I don't mind if this becomes a 35-hour flight. I think that's probably a better option than flying uh, through Gaza right now. How about that, Mr. Pilot? Fortunately, he went through the part of the Middle East that isn't currently being blown up. So, which I think is a small slither of the Middle East. It isn't currently... Uh, at war. So we managed to to get through the flight safe and sound. So thank you to the Qantas pilot for uh, just threading that needle over the Middle East. Did make it home safe and sound. Let's get into it though. Uh, so if you haven't been uh, anywhere uh, on the news or you've been living under a rock for the last few days, uh, Israel has declared war on Hamas after I guess Hamas kind of declared war on Israel. So Hamas basically sent in a, a, about a 1,000 uh, militants, apparently, uh, into Israel. They invaded uh, the country, and it seems like they've killed about 700, 900. The, the death toll is climbing every day. Um, Israelis, men, women, kids, uh, civilians were, were killed in their homes, and uh, many were captured and taken hostage as well, 100, 200. Numbers are still coming in every day. People are calling this Israel's 9-11. Um, I don't like... I think that's a dumb characterization, the way that the media is calling this Israel's 9-11. Firstly, why is 9-11 the barometer now for everything? Like, we don't have to compare all attacks to 9-11. It just, it just seems unnecessary. It seems like a false comparison. You know, like, Australia had, like, the Bali bombings... I think like a maybe 200 Australians were killed. No one was like, oh, this is a 15th of 9-11. It just, it just comparing things to 9-11 just seems so strange, particularly with Israel because Israel's had like so many 9-11s. Israel was having 9-11s before 9-11. I mean, there've been so many terror attacks, so many wars happening in that area for decades that it just seems weird referring to this in terms of a 9-11. So... Basically, and I don't think we need to compare things to nine eleven to understand if they're bad or not. Like I don't think anyone's like, oh well, in terms of nine eleven, how many nine 11s was this? How does this compare to nine eleven? Seven hundred Israelis were children, you know, a couple hundred kids were were shot, uh, and people were burned in their homes. Uh, that sounds bad, but could you put this in terms of nine eleven for me, media? So let's start with the nine eleven comparisons. Let's just kind of assess what's happened based upon the events rather than whether or not they stack up to a twin tower collapse. So basically all this shit's gone down and probably perhaps the most frustrating thing for me at least in the first 24-48 hours of the conflict was just seeing the worst takes on the issue you could possibly imagine from people with their own personal interests who just kind of want to like take advantage and exploit this conflict for their own political gain and and we saw this just across all sides of the political spectrum. These are some like the dumbest takes that I saw, and the most transparent attempts at making, uh, a, a, the most transparent attempts at scoring political points. So, you know, firstly, Trump weighs in and he says, "Well, you know, the reason why Hamas was able to attack Israel this way was because they're funded by Iran and." And where does Iran get their money from? From Joe Biden, the Biden administration. So a vote for Joe is a vote for Iran and a vote for Hamas. So vote for Donald J. Trump instead. So it's just like, you know, Trump being like, how do I use this to endear myself to my base? And then, of course, Donald Trump Jr. then came in and he was tweeting about how, like, he basically... Donald Trump Jr. has found a way to connect this to, like lgbt activism so he basically said in his tweet hey you know just know that you know when the when the terrorists come knocking on your door there'll be no one left to save you because you know there's no strong manly men around these days and we've told men to hate masculinity and we feminized all of our boys so when the terrorists come knocking at your door There'll be no one ever able to protect you. So basically saying like, hey, you know, you you got to be against uh, the trans movement because the LGBT community is leaving us open to terror attacks. It's a very long bow that he's drawing here. It is a very long bow. It's a bit of a strange one because he's basically implying that in that the reason why Israel was attacked and the reason why so many people died was because the men in Israel were not manly enough or strong enough or masculine enough to defend the country, which is a very weird take. Because if you've met Israelis, man, they're fucking tough guys. Uh, you, should, you should watch Fowder on Netflix. Some real tough, tough, sexy Israeli men on that show just a strange, just just grappling for straws here, Donald Trump Jr. Just trying to, he's like, well, I you know, my father has connected this to Biden, which is already kind of like a really remote connection. How can I take it even further and somehow connect this to the gays? So Donald Trump Jr., nice work on that reach. Uh, I don't think anyone kind of thinks that, Trans community is responsible for Hamas killing people in the West and Negev, but it's a theory. It's a theory. And it's not just, of course, the Trumps. Zelensky comes in and Zelensky comes in and says, well, this is Russia. So, you know, Russia, you know, has ties with Iran. Iran has ties with Hamas. So essentially, this is like a Russian funded terror attack in Israel. Again, like I get Zelensky, I get what you're trying to do. Like you're at war with Russia and we understand that Russia is bad and Russia is the aggressor in this case. But it just feels like, again, just like a long bow to draw, maybe stick. I think Zelensky's just like, ah, shit, people are not going to be talking about Ukraine for a, maybe a week or so. They're going to be talking about this other war in the Middle East. Maybe he feels like this is bad, a lot of less media attention for me, less money for me and the Ukrainians, and I'm not saying they don't need the funds, they don't deserve the funds, but, you know, he's a very, very smart media operator. So he's like, how do I make this about myself? He's basically like, you know, like an Instagram influencer at this point. Because, you know, Instagram influencers, like whenever anything goes down in the world, they're on Instagram with the hashtag, hashtag, BLM, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag Say Their Name, hashtag George Floyd, hashtag Trans Lives Matter, whatever. They're... They're on the hashtags, these Instagram influencers, and they're like, well, how do I somehow insert myself into this conflict? You know, like when the Black Lives Matter movement all happened and all these white people turned up at the protests, you know, they took an Uber to the protest and they got out and then they took a photo of themselves, um, you know, with the pro- uh, holding up a sign or they took a, pro- a photo of themselves holding up a hammer, pretending to board up a a, bla- a black owned store in LA, and then they would just get back in their car and drive off. You know, that's what Instagram influencers do. They, they they will never miss an opportunity to make something about themselves. I can't help but feel like Zelensky is kind of having his Instagram influencer moment right now, where he's like, hey, this stuff in the Middle East is real bad, and it's kind of about me in a way. It's kind of about Russia, and it's kind of about Ukraine, and we're kind of like, not maybe not this exactly, like you do your thing. UK fighting the Russians, but right now it's Hamas and Israel. Let us talk about that for a little bit. And I'll be honest, I don't even think like he's that, I can understand what he's trying to do. You know, there is like, he's kind of in the area geographically. So I see how he could try to connect with the topic. But then you've got these Australian politicians who are themselves trying to connect with it. And it's just like, you you can't relate to it. So Lydia Thorpe, who is an indigenous senator, I think a former green senator, I think she got kicked out because she was, crazy, and I think she was dating a Baki at some point, she's a bit all over the shop but uh Lydia Thor came out and tweeted how like you know, the struggle of the Palestinians is very analogous to the struggle of indigenous people and so she kind of came out and, and supported the Palestinians in this, in this time, and uh, look, I get what she's, I get where she's coming from, I'm trying to be empathetic with her position, you know she's saying like indigenous people have been oppressed for a long time and of course we've got the voice of parliament coming up so that's you know a huge point of activism at the moment for for the indigenous community and now you've got palestinian people who are being you know bombed and, and have been you know oppressed by israel's regime for a number of decades now and we'll get into that more over the course of this podcast but she's trying to draw a connection between the oppression of indigenous people and the oppression of palestinians look i don't think there's a lot of comparison there i just think the main important difference between like indigenous people and palestinians is that the palestinians are being ruled over by hamas which is a terrorist organization so you know basically the palestinians absolutely are oppressed but their leadership is hamas who's you know really not all that different to ISIS in terms of their ideology. Like they kind of just want to establish an Islamic state. They want to kill, they want to, they wish death to America. They wish death to Israel and the Jews and stuff. So I think it's just different because I don't think Aboriginal Australians and Torres Strait Islanders have like a terrorist organization that's leading their cause. To be honest, maybe they should. Maybe, maybe Aboriginal people would, would be further ahead if they had a terrorist organization leading them because right now aboriginal people are some of the most oppressed people in the world so i know this is going to be about israel and hamas which is just, just indulge me for a second with this analogy because indigenous people are really they're the most like oppressed people probably in the world i think their life expectancy is some of the, is kind of like the lowest in the world like the 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 gap in opportunity between white and Indigenous Australians is so is so vast and so massive. When you've got Indigenous kids being killed in custody, you've got um, Indigenous um, communities being patrolled brutally by by police. You've got so many um, you know so many problems and so much oppression faced by the Indigenous people in Australia. Like, if anyone should have a terrorist attack, it should be them, shouldn't it? Like. You know, you look at so many countries that have... Like, you've had the Irish at the IRA, you know, doing bombings on their behalf. You know, you've got the Palestinians with the Hamas, you know, doing terror attacks. And and now, I feel like Indigenous Australians are facing this voice-to-parliament vote. There's a good chance it's not going to get up. There's a good chance that the No campaign is going to win and they're going to be, you know, kind of stuck where they are and, and there's not going to be any real, you know... Uh, movement on the ground to, to help Indigenous people move forward with their lives and, and you know, close the gap with the white Australia. So maybe, like, some terror attacks wouldn't go astray, you know, if you're in, if you're Indigenous and you're Aboriginal. I'm not, I'm not endorsing terror, but I'm just saying if anyone, you know, deserves to do a few terror attacks, I think it's Indigenous Australians. I think they should... I think they should have, like, just a few terror attacks... Just a few against white Australians just to get the yes vote over the line. Like, if, you know, I just think, like, you know, maybe like, uh, maybe like Adam Goods could come out and be like, because Adam Goods is already, you know, disliked by white racists because he actually stands up for Indigenous causes and actually is honest about the truth and reality. So I think if Adam Goods came out and said, hey, we're going to, I'm going to do some terror attacks. Uh, I'm going to blow up the Sydney Opera House unless the Yes vote gets through. I think that would really help the Yes campaign because it is kind of floundering at the moment. So maybe just some terror attacks or at least a threat of them could really help the indigenous community at that time. If anyone... My point is that if anyone is, you know, should have... Should be committing terror attacks, it really is the indigenous community. And I don't think they get enough credit for not committing terror attacks. Because, like, if you're looking at people who have been just treated and abused so poorly for having land dispossessed the genocide committed against them you know the stolen generation uh, the, the intergenerational trauma that just persists and, and, and goes on for decades and decades and then all they want is just an advisory body that will allow them to have some sort of symbolic say about issues that affect them in the future you know the fact that that is unlikely to even get up, in this country, they should have a terrorist organisation. They that that should be the impetus for them to have the have their own Hamas uh, in Australia. Don't call it Hamas; call it something else. That's just a bit more local. Um, I don't know the tor the how about the Indigenous Torres Strait Islander Liberation Army? Something like that, Indigenous yeah, and Torres Strait. Yeah, something that has like a cool acronym. Something like that, I think, really could advance Indigenous people. Be like, hey, if you don't give us the advisory body, we're gonna start, you know, blowing up things that are, you know, close to white people's, you know, homes. So we're gonna start blowing up things that white people care about. We're gonna start blowing up your your local uh, frozen yogurt stands. We're gonna start blowing up um, your local trendy cafes that serve twelve-dollar lattes. We're gonna start blowing up uh, your alleyways with there with all the with all the graffiti that you guys like. So I'm just saying if anyone should have a terrorist organization, I'm not saying that they should, but I'm just saying if any, if you, it would be understandable for indigenous people to have a terror group that tries to advance their cause because they are some of the most oppressed people in the world, which brings us back to Israel and Hamas. And I look, this is important by the way, that I'm trying to distinguish between, Israel and Palestine and Israel and Hamas. Because I think there's a very big difference between Palestine and uh, Hamas. There's also a very big difference between Israel, the government, and Israelis, the people. And I just think that there's there's such a ridiculous and bad faith amalgamation of the two. You know, people think that Israel, the government, represents all of Israelis and represents all Jews around the world, which is just insane and stupid um and really ignorant and equally people think that hamas which is essentially a a terror organization that is you know its goal is to kill civilians let's be honest that's like their actual like that's like in the mandate um i don't think that hamas represents uh palestinians and i also don't think that hamas represents the interests of muslims broadly speaking so the, the israeli government is currently at war with hamas that's really the situation and so I think to say that it's and it's Israelis versus Palestinians, I think is a, a false way of looking at the conflict because the Israeli people and the Palestinian people are inevitably the ones who are suffering the most and who inevitably are the ones that that actually want peace the most. It's you know it's Israeli government and Hamas that are really going to war and who are the ones who are seem to be trapped in this cycle of war and who, let's be honest, kind of both have an interest in maintaining a state of war. You know, Hamas has its own um, you know domestic and international interest in in going to war because help, you know by going to war they you know endear themselves to Iran and maintain their um, support from Iran and they also help to scuttle the relationship that's currently being developed between Israel and other, arabic countries including like the uae and now saudi arabia so they've got their own you know goals and desires by by going to war and then of course the israeli government which is headed by netanyahu i don't think the israeli government wants to go to war because they know that's not always very popular amongst his people but you know for netanyahu personally wars tend to be like good for his ratings he's like a wartime leader he's a very Harsh, you know, f- pretty far right nationalist figure. So going to war and 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 being seen to be tough on the Palestinians is kind of good for him politically. So I guess the first thing that you have to do when you're talking about this conflict is separating the governments of these of these people. So the Palestinians are governed by Hamas. Israel is governed by the Netanyahu um, administration. Separating the governments from the people who are almost always, you know, the victims of the war and who, as a result, have the greatest interest in peace and want peace is really, really key because that distinction just doesn't exist. Right now, you go on social media and it's just full of just the most uh, knee jerk, childish, immature, poorly thought out responses. And that's why I haven't really spoken about this at all on my social media because I think I needed a podcast where I could actually just say all my ideas out in long form so that, you know, they can actually be properly scrutinized and properly understood because you can't distill this, your thoughts on this conflict down into a tweet uh, and and say anything that matters and say anything that has any consequence at all because right now you go on social media and literally it's like like hashtag is team israel and hashtag like team palestine is like trending and it's like what are we doing here why do you have to all of it why is everything so binary i mean if if the lgbt community have taught us anything is that nothing is binary guys we've got to rid of male female and we're, we're saying we're gender fluid can we not do the same thing with the middle east do we have to be team Israel or team Palestine? Can we just be I think that peace is the right option here and I think that killing innocent children on both sides is bad. Because the problem that I have with people being like, "Oh, hey, I'm team Israel" and being like, "I support Israel" is like, "Okay, cool. I'm that's It's nice that you support Israel. I get. I assume you say you're supporting the Israeli, you know, public who are the victims who we just seen 700 900 people get killed in their homes i, I presume you're supporting them because to come out and say like oh hey i support israel is like and it's such a vague statement because does that mean you support the israeli government because right now they're going into gaza and a lot of innocent people are dying as a result of the operations that they're conducting in gaza And i'm not saying that the israeli government is deliberately going out to target children and civilians but they're still killing a lot of them best case scenario it's happening inadvertently that's the best case scenario which is still not a great case so to come out and be like i support israel it's just an untenable position because then inevitably people are going to be like okay so does that mean you support the israeli government killing all these innocent people in gaza so you can't come out and say oh hey i'm team israel you got to be more nuanced you got to be like hey at this time there's a lot of innocent israeli families who are grieving and mourning and i want to show that i empathize and feel their grief and sorrow too and i want them to know they're not alone that's what people want to say but instead it gets distilled down to this dumb bullshit. hey i'm team israel hashtag and it just escalates things further and further and then it's equally the same on the other side, because then you'll have people come out and say like, oh, I'm Team Palestine. And that's equally untenable, because that is so vague that it sounds like that you are endorsing the actions of Hamas. Like it sounds like, oh, I'm Team Palestine. And then someone says, oh, okay, well, does that mean that you support Hamas going in and killing children in their homes and taking women hostages? Is, do you support them taking grandmothers as hostages, as bargaining chips and keeping them in in degrading conditions so you can't come out and say i'm team palestine because all of a sudden that means that you support all this you know awful inhumane barbaric stuff that hamas is perpetrating so really when you say you're team palestine what you're saying is like i empathize and i feel grief and sorrow for the innocent palestinian men children men women and children who are you know suffering you know the 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 degrad the degrading conditions in in Gaza and also in the West Bank. Let's be honest, but in Gaza is the kind of where the conflict is right now. So, what you want to say is like, "Hey, I empathize and I mourn and I feel grief for all these people, and I want them to know that they're not alone, and I and I want them to know that we're thinking of them and and we support them in our in whatever way we can." But of course, that's not what is conveyed on social media. Instead, what's conveyed is. This stupid, pointless hashtag that is really just—it's clearly people just trying to find a, a panda to their group or pander to whoever you know is their base and, and create some sense of online community. And I get that everyone wants to find a sense of online community, but the problem is that these these simplistic, immature, knee-jerk reactions, like "Oh, hey, are you? Are you?" Like I saw. I saw a fucking, it was like a news.com or some bullshit, you know, publication be like, oh, hey, uh, like for Israel, retweet for Palestine. What the fuck is that? Like for Israel, retweet for Palestine. Are you seriously exploiting this conflict to get some fucking engagement on your social media? It's the most insane fucking shit I've ever seen. Like for Israel, Retweet, what does that even mean? Like, what does that mean? Oh, hey, I'm retweeting, so I'm team Palestine. Oh, well, I'm harding it, so I'm team Israel. What are you doing there? What are we doing here? I mean, the way that social media is now, the problem is that social media has it benefits from polarization, it benefits from division. Like, the more that the less middle ground there is, the better it is for social media. Because then the more angry people are, the more outraged they are, the more time they spend on these platforms fighting with each other. So of course, like you're gonna have this bullshit like for Israel retweet. If you if you're posting stuff like that, honestly, uh, I kill yourself. Really, like if you're po- if you're going on social media being like, hey, you know that's that's the worst thing you could do to be like, hey, how do I get engagement on my post from this? I mean, it's like, I mean. I, if you could do it with like Coke and Pepsi, hey, like for Coke, retweet for Pepsi. I get that. Even that I think is fucking stupid. You should probably kill yourself if you're doing that. But if you're taking it to the next level of now, you know, doing the Coke, Pepsi thing with Israel, Palestine, honestly, go kill yourself. It's, it's, it, you're making the world a worse place. And we do not need that type of insane exploitation of this situation to create more division, more polarisation, You know, for no reason. Because I'll be honest, I think the vast majority of people uh, agree with what I'm saying right now on this podcast. I think the very, very vast majority of people do not support the actions of Hamas. Of course, we understand that what Hamas did wasn't just like out of the blue. I mean, when people come out and say this was an unprovoked attack, I mean... That's not really true, is it? I'm not saying it's justified. I've, it's never, it's never justified killing innocent people. It's, it's, it's a, it's committing a war crime can never be justified. But you can't say it's never. It wasn't provoked. In the same way, I mean, you can't say that Russia invading Ukraine wasn't provoked. Of course, it was provoked. It was provoked by, you know, America and Ukraine getting together and trying to get Ukraine into into NATO and Russia being worried about, you know, NATO military positions being set up along its border. I'm not saying the invasion is justified. It's awful. It's brutal. It's inhumane. It's, it's been an absolute catastrophe and a humanitarian disaster. Not justified, but you can't say it wasn't provoked. You can't say 9-11 wasn't provoked. I mean, of course it was awful. Of course it was inhumane. Of course it was barbaric. One of the worst things to happen in, in recent history in terms of what it did to the world and the wars that it triggered but you can't say it, it, it wasn't justified you can't say it wasn't provoked though. it was provoked by American imperialism in the, in the Middle East I'm not saying it was justified but it was, it was certainly provoked In the same way that Hamas going into Israel and killing all these people, it's barbaric, it's inhumane, it's cruel, it's a war crime. Of course, it needs to be condemned. And of course, those militants need to be held accountable and justice needs to be found for those families. But to say it was unprovoked is absolutely insane. And it just dismisses just, you know, decades and decades and let's be honest, centuries of conflict that have been happening in that area. And just like, you know, the, the conflict didn't start on Saturday. The conflict has been going for a while. So I guess my point is that the, the the whole the media has just like polarized everyone and, and I think most people agree with what I'm saying on this podcast right now which is that Hamas killing killing innocent people is bad it's not justified it's barbaric most I think the vast majority of people are reasonable and completely accept that and think that is awful I also think the vast majority of people believe that the actions of Israel in the West Bank, way it's expanding in the West Bank and taking land from Palestinians who live there and its oppression of Palestinians there is awful. I think that most people also agree that the uh, killing of innocent civilians in Gaza, most people agree that the killing of innocent civilians, by whether it's by Hamas or whether it's by the Israeli government, is awful. It's barbaric. It's inhumane. It's a war crime. Everyone agrees on that there's so much middle ground that we can all agree on and if you speak to people just like face to face and you just have a regular conversation with a person you'll you'll find that you actually agree with them on like 99 of this stuff but as soon as you go on the internet as soon as you go online it's just fucking insane and the media is like designed to just present to you the most insane version of the opposition so you perceive the opposition as as a demon as barbaric and as an animal so like i'm kind of in this interesting like space in my algorithm online because like i'm jewish so i have you know i see a lot of like jewish news sources i see a lot of people who are sympathetic to to israel and then but also like i'm in the comedy community so like i'm also in like a bit of a left-wing you know algorithm as well, so I see a lot of people supporting the Palestinians, and I see a lot of people, you know, with the Team Palestine hashtag going around. So I'm kind of seeing both sides uh, on on social media, and I'm seeing the way that social media portrays both groups in the most extremist way possible, right? Because you know, if I'll I'll go on the I'll go on Twitter or X or whatever it's fucking called now. And I'll see the way that people will come out on, on, in support of the Palestinians and be like, we need to you know we need to wipe the Jews off the map. The, we need to kill the Israelis, we need to kill the Jews. Enough is enough. Time for an all-out war, time to do time to cast the Jews and, and finish what Hitler started. Like I see that shit coming up on my Instagram, on, on my Twitter, on the algorithm. It's awful, it's barbaric stuff. And if you're only seeing that, it makes you think, oh, okay, so that's what that side believes. That's what that side believes. The people who support the Palestinians are anti-Semitic and they just want to kill Jews and wipe Israel off the map. Equally, I'll see, I'll see the most extreme like Israeli stuff come out. Like I'll see people at you know, rallies supporting Israel coming out and saying on camera, oh, hey, we need to blow up Gaza. We need to wipe the Palestinians off the map. We need to turn it into a, a car park, We're basically advocating for the genocide of 2 million people. So like if you go on social media, you you think that the other side is just a bunch of barbaric war criminal genocide committing animals. That's what, that's what you think the other side is. But what you're seeing is just the most extremist fringe aspects of that side because that's what the algorithm will serve to you to make you angry and upset so i'll log on and i'll see insane people saying we got to kill the jews and kill israel and then i'll also see insane people saying oh no we got to kill the palestinians we got to and we got to wipe them off the map and if you're trapped in either of those algorithms i can see how you could perceive the other side as inhumane as an animal as a threat that needs to be destroyed But the vast, vast majority of people, if you just speak to them in person and in the real world, they'll actually say to you, oh yeah, this is just awful. And they understand that Hamas is not the Palestinians. And they understand that Netanyahu and the Israeli government is not the Israelis. They understand that. But if you just spend your entire time online, you'll have this extremely warped perception of the conflict. You'll have this extremely warped perception of the people who you might disagree with. The point is you got to get the fuck off the internet and you got to actually speak to people in the real world and stay away from just... You you can't base your perception of the world on what you're seeing on the internet because it only shows you the 0.01% of people who are fucking insane because that's what gets the clicks and that's what makes the money for Elon Musk. So just get off the internet and realize that there's actually, a, there's actually a vast majority of people out there who are reasonable, who actually just want peace and who understand that this situation is awful and who do not want a war and who do not want to see innocent people killed on either side. I think that I'm coming at this conflict just from an interesting perspective. And, and look, maybe I should have said this at the start of the episode. So thank you for being bearing with me. But... You know, like I'm a big old Jew. Those are my pronouns. I'm Jewish, right? So I'm gonna have I'm probably gonna have a bias towards supporting Israel and supporting the Israelis, but I'm I'm really careful about that. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm as as reasonable and measured and as open-minded as possible when I when I look at stuff around this conflict. Because look, my because I understand that I've been through some brainwashing and indoctrination in my life. So let me explain to you what I've been through in my life. I went to a Jewish school called Mount Scopus College for like 15 years. And if you go to Mount Scopus College, like every year you celebrate Yom Ha'atzmaut, Mood, which is like Israeli Independence Day. And, you know, you go to school and you wear blue and white on that day because that's the color of the Israeli flag. And it's like a, you know, it's like a big party at school that day. And there's, you know, you have falafel and it's all about celebrating Israeli culture and Israeli independence. And you know, we'd always have um Israeli people who have who had served in the army come and speak to us at school at assemblies and talk about, you know, the operations they served in and, and how, you know, they sacrificed for Israel. And then when we finished school there was this like huge like push from, you know, the school to go to Israel and to and to travel around there and to spend time there and um there was even like a push to to make Aliyah, which I make Aliyah is means to, to move to Israel and uh, Aliyah in Hebrew means like to go up to a higher place. So make Aliyah it was like this really um, profound concept. It was like oh, go to Israel, you move up to a higher place in the world, and you're you're now at home in the Jewish community, and and you you finally belong, you finally have a sense of belonging as a Jewish person, because Israel is a Jewish state. So I finished school, and I then went to Israel on a a six week um, Israel program, travel around the country. And on that Israel program, I'm surrounded by it's a program for like, you know, kids who are 18, 19. I went with a bunch of Jewish kids from all over Australia and I made friends with Jewish kids in like Perth and, and Sydney and and Melbourne. And we all went together and we traveled around Israel for a couple of months, and it really makes you fall in love with the country and fall in love with the people. And but I I, I look back on that now and I'm like, oh, that was clearly like part of an indoctrination/slash propaganda project because one week where we had like seminars where we learned about the conflicts between Israel and Palestine and the West Bank and Gaza and it was presented from such a strong Israeli stance you know we were basically told that you know that the Jews have just like a you know a biblical right to, to live in Israel and the Palestinians don't deserve to be there at all and you know they they should be lucky to have whatever they have in the West Bank and Gaza you know that was kind of you know, the vibe that I got from them. And I was always told, no, these, you know, the Israeli army is one of the most humane humanitarian armies in the world. And, you know, they they don't kill civilians and it's all, you know, it's all made up. It's all bullshit. And you can't trust, you know, that reporting and the media is biased against Israel. and, And that's what I learned. And I kind of held onto those beliefs for a very, very long time. And then, I, you know, over the last years, I've gotten older and I've made friends who are outside of the Jewish bubble and I've made friends who are, Muslim or Arabic and who have ties to Palestine and, and have and have friends and family living in Gaza and living in the West Bank and you know, and I get exposed more to how they perceive the conflict. I've only when I left school and left university did I come across the term Al Nakbar. So the the Nakba that you know, the Nakba means like the tragedy in, in Arabic. And that's, that describes the creation of the state of Israel. Like when I was at school, we called it Yom Harts It was a big celebration day for the celebration of Israel. But for Palestinians and and for a lot of Muslim communities, they call it the Nakba because it was a huge tragedy for them because that was the day that they lost their homeland. That was the day that basically they were like kicked out of their home. And, you know, there's a a great movie on Netflix. Great. It was very controversial movie on Netflix. That's, Meant to be based on the true story um, about um, how Israel, how uh, Palestinians were kicked out of their land, and and how Israelis came through. And according to this movie, you know, committed a lot of war crimes against you know the the Palestinian settlements who were there. Now, I don't know how much of that is true. I guess my point is that to only hear about that for the first time in the last few years is is crazy. You know, it, it made me realize that I should just be skeptical of everything that i learned at school and everything that i learned on my trip in israel cuz that was that was pre- and that was presented to me from one perspective equally i should be skeptical of you know the stuff that i see on on social media from from people who have ties to the palestinians and might have a bias to to support them in that conflict but i guess my point is like i understand what it is to to have a bias i understand what it is to, to believe something for for many many years And then to be exposed to the conflicting view and be like, wait a minute, have I been lied to? You know, what does all this now mean? So I guess my point is that everyone has some sort of, if you've got like a really strong opinion on this, like if you're someone who's going online and being like, I'm team Israel, I'm team Palestine. I just think it's really important that you assess what has led you to have that very black and white perspective on the issue. It's really important that you assess, okay, like, why do I believe this? You know, what was I taught as a kid? What were, what impressions were made on me in like my formative years during my education? And was that, were those impressions correct? I can look back on my, my education and my childhood and I love my Jewish education and and I'm so very proud to be a Jewish person and I love my community and I, I really love my school and, and what I got from Mount Scobis and what I got from my time in Israel was, it really shaped me a lot as a person. It was incredible experience and incredible time. And, and I, I absolutely do not want to denigrate that at all. But um, I also just have to be honest with myself and and realize that, oh yeah, there were probably aspects of my time at school in my my early childhood and teen period where my views on Israel were, were shaped. And perhaps those views were not 100% as they were presented to me at the time. So, if there's anything that I want my dear listener to take out of this today, is you don't have to choose a side. It's not binary. You can grief for the death and the loss of innocent Israelis, and you can also feel grief and loss for the Palestinian community. And what I would suggest you do, instead of going on the internet and posting that your team Israel or posting your team Palestine and just making things worse, I would suggest having a conversation with someone in real life and forming a human connection with someone and realizing how how much you have in common and also maybe uh, supporting a charity that helps the victims of this uh, conflict. Uh, There are heaps out there and not just supporting the one that helps the Israeli victims but also maybe supporting the one that also helps the Palestinian victims and vice versa because there's really nothing you can do uh, and going on social media right now won't just do nothing. It'll probably just make things worse a little bit. So maybe that's the one thing you can do to make things a little bit better. Thanks for listening. I hope that next week I can talk about uh, something a bit more fun uh, and a bit more funny. Sorry if this episode wasn't very funny, but I do think that hopefully it was interesting. And look, hopefully the indigenous people get their own terrorist organization in the near future, and uh, we can get that yes vote up. That's really what I want you to take out of this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week. Good night.